Are you ever curious what's going on behind the scenes in Hollywood? You watch a Netflix show or a Marvel movie and you wonder, why was that person in it? Why did this movie get made? I'm Matt Bellany, founding partner of Puck News, and I'm covering the inside conversation about money and power in Hollywood. With my new show, The Town, on the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm going to take you inside Hollywood with exclusive insight on what people in show business are actually talking about. Multiple times a week, we're going to bring you short, digestible episodes featuring some of the smartest people I know breaking down the hottest topics in entertainment to tell you what's really going on. Follow The Town now and listen on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to Ringer Dishes Pop Culture History Lesson. I'm Juliette Littman. We are here today to discuss the Osbournes of MTV fame. It's been 20 years, and I am joined live from the bathroom of her apartment, Miss <laughs> Claire Malone, the host of Just Like Us, which I hope you listened to but two days ago and have for the last five weeks. Claire, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I should say, for context, I'm recording in the bathroom because in an apartment, it has the most, like, acoustically sound there's towels yeah. everywhere yeah but it's say you're like, surrounded by towels it's, it's yeah, good it's, i'm it's, uh i've got nothing i've just got bare walls behind me but anyway <laughs> um we are here today to talk about the osborns which you know we sort of planned out a few weeks in advance with our producers kaya and chelsea and amelia like what we wanted to hit on pop culture history lesson and we earmarked the osborns it was the 20th anniversary i've kind of been surprised at how many people on our internet that we share with the world have noted this 20th anniversary. It's it's momentous. The Osbournes has a lot of meaning for a lot of people. Have you been surprised at how much coverage this has received? I mean, it, it is like the first kind of breakthrough reality show. So I guess it makes sense. And we are also in this, this moment where we're like looking back at everything. Yeah, it's you ultra, know? ultra nostalgia to quote yeah. the great Frank Ocean. <laughs> um. So I guess like, I guess it makes sense in that, you know, in that vein, but I did, I was, I was going to say, I, I went back and watched the first episode very recently. It's like, it's weird to watch in some ways because it's (laughs) so 
banal. Like, yeah. okay, like the opening credits, the whole thing is like they do, it's kind of, it's kind of supposed to be this play on a sitcom. So like right. Ozzy Osbourne is the dad and it like plays the kooky music. But the first episode is them like unpacking their crap. Yeah. And I mean, and I mean crap into this new <laughs> mansion. Like they have, no offense to Ozzy and Sharon, terrible taste. Like truly like tchotchke taste. Mm. And the whole first episode is just them saying like, fuck over and over. Jack berating like the household help. And they're all, and it's just like, it's so boring. It's like so boring. And I realize that I'm so used to super produced like Bravo sure. reality shows. Sure. And so it felt very old fashioned to me. That's interesting. So The Ringer last week ran a pretty big oral history about the show, which I recommend checking out. Um, it's by a woman named Mara Aiken. And it, it has some really good details about, like the beginning of production. And so to your point, when the Osborne started, they had been on Cribs previously, the great MTV show. Everyone's, <laughs> I, I mean, if you haven't seen Mariah Carey Cribs, you're just not living. So just seek it out on the internet. And so, sort of similar to how Jersey Shore was almost born out of the idea from True Life, um, Staten Island, or True Life, I, I go to the Jersey Shore. They were on Cribs and MTV was like, okay, let's just give this a shot because it, it had done really well in the ratings and it was really compelling. And so they were moving into a new house in Beverly Hills that they had essentially built. And so that's the unpacking piece that you are referring to. And MTV hedged on it. I thought this was really interesting. Sometimes I just like get a little bit too interested in like behind the scenes production, but it's kind of the name of the game with reality TV. It's how the magic happens in many ways. And MTV wasn't sure it'd be a huge hit. So they staffed it with in-house producers instead of like finding an outside production company. So like the cost was really low and in the oral history, I, I'm basically paraphrasing the oral history right now. I don't want you all to think that I, I'm actually an Osborne's historian, if only. Um, <laughs> thank you to Mara Aiken for her hard work and to my colleague, Justin Sales, who edited it. But anyway, um, Jack Osborne, the son, explains that they basically like just moved in with them. And so like they, for 10 episodes, they would do three months of shooting and they would six days a week, 16 hours a day. And I think the banality is really fascinating. Did it did you miss that kind of reality TV? Like did you wish there was more of it? I mean, you know, it's I think like if you were I was trying to put myself back in like 2003 if you were mm-hmm. watching it and it's so like Ozzy first of all is only in his 50s. Mm-hmm. He I mean people this is people have said this over and over. It is crazy how much he moves like an old man and right. is like well, hard living. Like, yeah, hard very hard living. But it's just like you know, there's something cute about he and Jack like sit on the couch and are watching like a World War II thing and he like puts his arm around Jack and you're like, okay, it's, you know, it's cute. It it kind of, it really did have echoes of, like I really liked the early Kardashians. Mm-hmm. I found that comforting mm-hmm. in like, in a weird way because it was just like family dynamic, kind of like soothing nothingness, like. Sure. And, and like a little funny. I never um, watched early Kardashians. I've actually only seen about two episodes of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Early Kardashians is actually good. I mean, it's it's definitely in like the micro era forward where like they like they know what they're doing. They know that they need to like have storylines and stuff. Like it's not it's not totally banal like the first episode of the Osborns, you're just like, okay. But they're like I think they're I think you see like the real family dynamic and it's a lot of fighting. Like ha- like kind of like happy fighting. Sure. You know? Like actual squabbles, not like deep seated. Like you're stealing the attention yeah. when I'm launching my makeup brand. Yeah, you're not. You're the least interesting to look at. Yeah, no right. one was saying stuff like that. Right, but, right. 
Do you miss banal- the banality well, of it? Or? I loved Newlyweds. Absolutely loved. Like, I've been obsessed with Love is Blind. Check out our recaps on the Ringer Reality TV podcast if you haven't already. And having, like, Nick Lachey back in my life has just really made me, like, think about my relationship to Nick Lachey, which, you know, it was a different era. Thinking about the Chicken of the Sea moment where Jessica Simpson didn't understand, like, what tuna was and, like, the Chicken of the Sea branding is, like, so funny. And I still think that kind of thing would make a lot of waves and would be, like, a huge meme. But it would be such a small moment that would be enmeshed in, like, some much bigger drama. And so, like, that... Those moments, I think, continue to entertain people, but they're no, no longer enough. And so I think a really interesting part about the Osbournes that I don't know is completely replicable now is that it was voyeuristic in a way. Like, yes. the original reality shows, that's was part of the thrill. And, you know, Real World was the, probably the most important antecedent for a show like the Osbournes. And they talk about that with production as well, like how they construct the house and where the control room is and stuff. But... We have so much more access to celebrities and like celebrity homes and and like, uh, you know, Amanda and I have spent like the last six years talking about this on Jam Session, like what's real and what's not real. But the Osbournes and Jack says this in the oral history, like they didn't know what they were doing. So they're it's yeah. it's real. They get sick of being on camera and they're aware of it, but they also like don't really know the concept of like crafting a storyline is not really out there yet. And the, Completely. The, it's still like up to the producers to decide how to do that. Completely. Like, that's a perfect way to put it. It's like we were, so what, the show premiered in 2002. The, like, the thing that was so, like, all we need, the only novelty we needed was, like, seeing the inside of their house. Mm-hmm. And then as the micro arrows progressed, we wanted to see the inside of their house plus the inside of, like, their family drama. Like, it kind of escalated each each time. Um, right. And it's interesting, like, the, the Kardashians, so, like, I, for this, for Just Like Us, the tabloids have changed America, Check uh, it which out, you sh- which you should check out on an upcoming episode all about reality TV and how reality TV interacted with the tabloids. The guy who was a co-creator of the Kardashians specifically said that E News, E, sorry, E, the network, was looking for their version of the Osbournes, where they wanted a family, they wanted kind of like an inside kooky look, and the Kardashians were sort of like the E network version of. MTV's The Osbournes. Mm-hmm. So like they were and again it did move. Obviously the Kardashians weren't famous, but they were kind of more I don't know if I want to say more outrageous than the Osbournes, but they had a lot more like radiating drama, you mm-hmm. know? There were more like they had the OJ thing. They had that kind of connection. They had the like the history and it's it was sort of like pushing forward that kind of like reality TV thing. Cuz like the simple life was a little bit its own thing. It was like, okay, here's rich people and we're kind of giving you, like, it's just, it's like, a, it's the sitcom of it. Yeah. And we, we're like, that's that's one version of reality TV. Like, Yeah. The, it's, you know, what's really funny is the sitcom piece of it. That like, that was like, they were more referential of like, the of a sitcom than anything else. And I, I've sort of like forgot about that. When you said that in terms of the intro, I was thinking about the nanny because it like looked sort of similar with the same kind of like, yeah like transportive also like literal like motion motion forward cartoon or like i don't, I don't know if it's a cartoon but it's like animated but it's, yeah it's very it's like the nick at night it's like the old school nick at night kind of thing yeah totally and i and i sort of like forgot that a lot of these shows weren't just supposed to be like dramas like the real world was but like they were supposed to be they were supposed to be funny you were yeah. supposed to like be laughing with them and at them 
And it was like, okay to laugh at them because they were so like rich and well off. I think that is also a huge change in reality TV in like the last like 15 years where like when you laugh at people on reality shows now, unless it's like someone who's like really confident or like really, really stable, it's like pretty uncomfortable. Like I, I'm having a personal, like, I don't really know what to do with the housewives crisis after uh, two of the Salt Lake reunions. We can talk about that at a later date. But I I just watched one last night. But it like it it used to be fun to laugh at the Osbournes. It used to be fun to laugh at people. And now, you know, kind of 20, 20 years on, there's a lot, a lot more emotional baggage that comes with the laughter. It's really true. And it's so another person who said to me during the course of like reporting the podcast that the Osbournes was a huge influence was Spencer Pratt. Mm. And so Spencer had this early reality show with Brody Jenner. Princes of Malibu. Princes of Malibu. And he was like, the idea, like my, he was like, that was my idea. The idea for it was like, oh, the Osbournes live in a mansion. It's kind of kooky. Let's do a show about like a dad, David Foster, who would later show up on The Housewives, obviously. Of course. And I had Aaron Foster on Bachelor Party a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. I heard that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It was, she was delightful. (laughs) Loved it. They're all, it's like really a small town. But Spencer was basically Seriously, like, the, the Fosters, all roads lead back to the Fosters. It's you very, about again? yeah, very it's, like. It's crazy. It is really crazy. Yeah, props to David Foster's very active dating life. Um, <laughs> but like, so Spencer was like, that was our original thing. Princess of Malibu got canceled because David Foster and his wife got a divorce when the the season premiered. But then obviously Spencer becomes a character on a very formative and different kind of reality show. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the Hills was so the Hills and Laguna beach were so like, they were supposed to be okay. If the Osbournes were a sitcom, if the simple life was a sitcom, then Laguna beach and the Hills were supposed to be like real life. 90210. Yeah. The teen drama. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it's so funny because like Spencer, I think as most, if you're like a pop culture obsessive now, you know, like Spencer is like funny and kind of like a character with a capital C. Yeah. Like, and so he's the almost vil- like he's become like wry in a way too. Oh, yeah. Never. And he always did have the dry humor, but now with age, it's turned into wryness, I would say. Yeah. And so it's funny to watch back like like I rewatched The Hills this past summer as research. Um, and it's just so funny to watch him to watch sort of like the deadpan earnest portrayal of like Spencer as the villain. Right. I know. When you, and, when you and know, Heidi too. Yeah. When you know them as these kind of like puckish, mischievous pop culture characters now who are like shit talking their, you know, Hills reboot castmates for being like, you know, too dumb to make their own storylines. Like it's just mm-hmm. a very, it's just a very funny evolution. Yeah. And to, and- and to think it all started with the Osbournes. And in the oral history, your point, like the one, the some of the people from production, like the editor of the show, his name was David Tedeschi. He, he said that the joke of the series is a quote. So the, it's the adventures of Ozzy and Harriet, except it's not Ozzy and Harriet, it's Ozzy and Sharon. And I guess like I just didn't put that together. But I also will say I am not really a sitcom watcher. Like I was as a little kid. Like I was really yeah. into A Different World. I loved The Nanny, Growing Pains. Like those are kind of like my three court, like 30 minute shows as a kid. I like... I would like wake up and like was like, can I watch a different world today? But I didn't really like think about sitcoms that much. Yeah. And it's sort of funny because I I became so into reality TV almost like by accident. But they they have replaced 
reality TV has replaced sitcoms as sort of what completely what couples and families watch together. It, it's the most like intergenerational television viewing, I would say. I think that's right. Cause like, and it's also, you know, when I when I was watching, like I remember coming home from school on Fridays, because that was the day I was allowed to watch TV. And there was like the ABC like Friday night lineup where it was like step mm-hmm. by step and family matters and like all those sitcom com shows. So it makes sense that it kind of like moved into in the 2000s, like the reality TV family. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is like I'm always surprised by like, like, let's take The Bachelor, like how young people watch it. And then also like I remember the woman I babysat for in high school, she and her friends. I mean, this is like early bachelor days sure but like she and her friends like had bachelor watching parties like sure. it's always been kind of like that yeah you know this the sinister thing about reality tv is it's totally predicated on making fun of people and that used to be more fun when it was like people who you didn't really have to worry about but now there's like this whole emotional weight to it i mean i could go on and on about this but i think that's one of the reasons why the banality is almost in like the early kardashians like soothing is because it didn't occur to you that this would like have these like deleterious effects on their lives. And right. I mean, let's look at what happened to the Osborne. So Claire, what do you know about Ozzy Osborne outside of this show? We were talking about this just before going on, Mike. I don't really, yeah, I don't really know like Ozzy Osbourne's music either. Me neither. I can't name a Black Sabbath song. All I know is they're mentioned in Almost Famous, my favorite yeah. movie. So I know like, like I, the th- so I don't know basically like nothing about Ozzy. And in some ways Ozzy has faded to the back. Ozzy and Jack have kind of like faded to the back. Sharon, you know, like got a lot of plastic surgery and like recently got canceled. Like she's got great plastic surgery just for the record. She's looks fantastic. She, she does. Whoever look- her doctor is good work. <laughs> she she does look good. She's got, you know, she's got like the sort of pixie-ish thing going on down. She's got it down pat. And like Kelly kind of had like the more up and down. Yes, like Kelly, Hol- I think struggled. Yeah, but uh, like, what is Ozzy doing? I have absolutely no idea. I googled him this morning. He's seventy three, presumably, like puttering around the house, the house, like watching World War II docs. Like, I, I have no <laughs> idea. It's so, well, I mean, that's the thing. Is also like similar to the Kardashians. This launched Sharon's front oh, of the camera yeah. career. I mean, Sharon is really the proto Chris. Um, when you start digging into the TV show, she was really the kind of, she understood what they could put forth. Like they, she understood that Ozzy being such a sort of a character as she called him, you know, to use your word. And she also, I think has called him that would be compelling and that people would care because it's like this really famous guy to some, not to us, but to others, but someone with a really like unique life. Who's both totally exceptional and totally plain. And so yeah. the combination of that would make for good TV. She got it when really no one else seemed to. And she was very, I think, based on what I've read, like very early to the idea, like they could be sitting on something as like kind of a, a celebrity family, essentially. It does make me curious about Sharon because like and her relationship to Ozzy's career before the Osbournes, because she's very like, she's sort of like the very classic straight woman, right? In the mm-hmm. comedic sense, like Ozzy's fumbling around and saying fuck a lot and like, Sharon is too, but in this, like, you can understand her and she seems, like, competent. And I and I am kind of like, this. it's an interesting, like, rock and roll spouse. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're like, what, what, what was Sharon, what was Sharon doing? Like, it's a very, like, pre-Osborne. In the same way that, like, I mean, Kris Jenner was, like, a stewardess who 
married a much older man and like got into a certain Hollywood crowd and like obviously had like a natural talent for and head for like connections and business. So it's not like you have to have some, I don't know, great pedigree, but it is interesting that these like that these two women who married in one case, like a very famous person and another case, like just like a very connected person Mm -hmm. sort of find a way to like spin their social talents forward. Like, honestly, it's almost a little like (laughs) Jane Austen or Edith Wharton. Like, how do you, (laughs) how do you spin the social web forward? It's like the Hollywood version of that kind of. It's really true. I I think Sharon, so, you know, it's important to talk about the complicated figure that is Sharon. She, she understood what she was sitting on and, you know, she was very much like, um, I'm newly obsessed with the Beatles, so I've, I've recently learned about how Linda was with Paul all the time. Um, and she, this is similar. She was like a part of Ozzy's career and making him the star that he was. And she, from based on the Osbournes fame and her own savvy, developed her own on-camera personality that led her to being one of the founding hosts or the initial hosts of The Talk, CBS's um, daytime competitor to The View, which I was reading up on this for this podcast, I cannot believe the talk launched in 2010, like 12 years ago. That's wait, really? Yeah. Isn't that insane? That's <laughs> weird. Yeah. That's totally like, <laughs> I never watched, like I've definitely watched the view. I don't think I've ever watched the talk per se. Did I've you? never seen an episode of the talk. I watched the view at the very beginning because I remember being a kid staying up late to watch Saturday night live and Sherry O'Terry, like, Baba Wawa. Yeah, Baba Wawa singing the song. This is The View. Like, that was so <laughs> funny. The View was a really important cultural touchstone. I think it remains for a lot of people. I actually think there's a lot of overlap between Bravo and Housewives and, and reality fans and View watchers. It's the same kind of, like, wacky oh, yeah. programming, which is not how it began. But, you know, Elizabeth Filarski, now Hasselbeck, was on The View and Barbara Walters on The View. So anyway, it became this big cultural touchstone and then CBS introduced their own called the talk in 2010, which I am honestly floored by shocked. I feel like the last, like the most I paid attention to the talk was when there was the blow up between Elaine Welterworth and Sharon and Sharon ended up last year. You're talking about yeah, last year, last yeah. year. Yeah. And Sharon yeah, what, ended up so, like, so what happened was Sharon Osborne started in 2002 and then by 2010, she was still, famous enough to be one of the anchors for this new talk show. She goes on the talk for 10 years. She's always been kind of controversial. She was sort of like the um, outspoken British one, I would say. But from what I can tell, I just told you I didn't watch the talk. But her, yeah. in, gen- her in general, her persona was like, she'll call things out. And like she says, she calls it like it is. Like that sort of like plucky British woman. And, you know, I wouldn't say that necessarily led to... I don't want to say that she wasn't always this person, but I, I last year she got fired from the talk when following Harry and Meghan's sit down interview with Oprah on also on CBS following that Pierce Morgan, you know, who everyone hates rightfully. So me included, um, he sided, he didn't really side with anyone, but he came out anti Meghan and Harry accusing Meghan of lying. Uh, and as you probably recall, Megan and Harry talked about some really painful and awful experiences with racism and just a lot of sort of like just, you know, really uncomfortable situations. 
to call what they went through uncomfortable is really an understatement. You know, that's in which they revealed that some of Harry's relatives were asking what color skin their child would be yeah. or would have. And just like horrible. And Megan talked about how she felt suicidal. And it was it was a pretty like really startling and moving interview. I don't think I, you know, I still think about it. And so then Pierce Morgan accused Megan of lying. And then from there, Sharon Osborne agrees or defends Pierce Morgan on the talk. And that leads to her confrontation with, or I wouldn't say confrontation, but conflict with yeah. Elaine Walteroff. And I, I'm saying her na- last name wrong. How do you say it? I said Welterworth, but you, you could be I right. thought it was Welteroff. Whatever. We're, we'll check. It's, it starts with a W and I definitely, we both have the first part, right? I kind of <laughs> only know it from like, you know, Instagram. So, um, and then Sharon Osborne left the show and she was the last original host. She was on for 11 years. I believe Elaine Welteroth has also left since, by the way. I think she has um, too. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it's an important arc of sort of like defining this new type of celebrity being um, sort of a truth teller, which then ultimately leads to her being fired. And, you know, frankly, I feel complicated about her firing as I think, you know, as we've watched different networks, try to litigate and arbitrate like what you can and can't say. It's really complicated. I think in some ways we're better off for having seen Sharon Osbourne show everyone who she is and say what she did. Cause it's sort of like an abject lesson and like a lack of empathy and a lack of understanding of, of white privilege and what it means to be in Sharon Osbourne's position. And I'm not sure she should be on TV, but I just think it's complicated to uh, fire her. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay authenticity guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, 
tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. The thing about Sharon, though, that I think is really relevant is like her arc from sort of side innocuous bit player who like sees an opportunity to someone at the center of culture whose opinion is able to make waves really mimics how reality TV has evolved over the last 20 years. And like, you know, the way that so many reality people now have a real impact on like what the cultural conversation is. And you talk about this. Yeah. I think you're going to talk about this in just like us with how like they move from, you know, sideshow to the front of us weekly is like, is, was really precipitated by the Osbournes. And Sharon's Completely. a great example. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, you know, Sharon going from kind of sideshow media to respectable mainstream daytime TV is indicative, I think, of, like, the professionalization, for lack of a better word, yeah. or, like, acceptance of these reality stars. Donald Trump being the most famous and, like... <laughs> extreme example of problematic extreme example of that but you see it in a lot of other ways like kim kardashian you know going from the we also talk about this on the next um not the reality tv show episode but um an episode we have about like black hollywood media where kim kardashian kind of goes from being like the main character on blogs like media takeout or bossip to going into the mainstream kind of like grocery store tabloids to eventually, obviously, as we all know, like the cover of Vogue and parlaying it into a massive business empire. Like, I think that's the thing that's most interesting to me about reality TV is how pretty much everyone who was successful had a business plan in mind. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just like, oh, I want to get famous. Like, you know, Sharon probably had a great agent, had a thought about where she wanted to go in her career. Paris Hilton had ton like pretty much from the gate had tons of brand deals had tons of right. you know she was writing books she was doing all these things sidekick who could forget <laughs> sidekick I mean the Kardashians had Dash like that was the original reason like originally they were approached by like a different reality show producer who they didn't go with but she wanted to make the show centered around the, their original clothing store Dash and that would be the sort the like you know, the center of the action. So all of these people who were really savvy and like long lasting and made it into the mainstream and stayed there have always had a business plan in mind. And mm-hmm. in some ways it's like, you know, sports stars do that, right? Like how many NFL players become not just color commentators, but now like, you know, they're on morning shows, right? Like it's not, it's not like a, unforeseen path to to move from one part of culture to the other but it is just like a very specific kind of move and i don't think you see like what are the jersey shore people doing like they, they not nothing. not the same thing i will say that also like this kind of i think is a good note about kelly she also just turned into like a legit person in fashion like she's been on um project runway, project runway. and she has her own career, like aside from um, just, you know, from being on this show. And when you go back and read about the, the initial uh, production, she was she had a lot of misgivings about being on it. I think she was very much a teenager. And, you know, I think she we've watched her struggle um, 
over the years, including with her weight and I think with some addiction and and whatnot. But it's just been interesting. Like she too kind of navigated this into a career. I, her and Nicole Richie, I think, have like the most in common of people from from this era. And and I think also being children, daughters of famous people, really contributes to like how they're able, how they not how they were able to, but how they chose to navigate it. Yeah, the Nicole Richie thing is interesting. And I I also think that to the point about p- these people navigating to a more mainstream place also probably speaks to some of the behind the scenes of Hollywood that was changing. Like agents and agencies had to recognize that like reality stars were kind of a different thing, but also very profitable. So like you weren't looking for their next movie, but you were looking for Yes, maybe their next show, but like, what's their next business opportunity? What's their next branding right. thing? Right. And that has obviously snowballed over the past 20 years to now there are agencies that wholly deal with like influencers or TikTok stars or like, you know, I'm sure there's a couple people who are like, if you're on The Bachelor, like this is who becomes your agent. Like, Yeah, well, yeah, Laura KPR. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, who I had on my pod and I just saw Natalie from Love is Blind signed up with her too so like it's true like there's just a few go-to people like there, there's the industry now but it's and it's funny like as we were just talking this through like my dream reality show that I think I've talked about on Ringer Dish before is The Good Charlotte Brothers which oh, <laughs> jo- Joel, Joel and Benji Madden Benji, yeah. and Nicole Richie and Cameron Diaz like that is like who I would like to be my new Osbournes oh my gosh um, that's actually a great idea Thank you. Like, Cameron Diaz will never do it. I don't think Nicole Richie would either. But like somehow doing podcasts, and we talked about this with Amanda a few weeks ago when we did a pod together. Somehow, like the my personal relitigation of the last 20 years of pop culture has led me to like love Cameron Diaz. I didn't really care about her at the time, but I'm like, because I've like really like I've watched the holiday so many times. I thought about the mask. I love my best friend's wedding. I'm just like, wow, Cameron Diaz is like. A great comedic actress and it's so interesting to me that she just was like I'm done here and she has just like removed herself she's best friends with Christina Applegate and a few others then she she and uh, her husband I think she's with Benji um, I can't remember they adopted a child or he's a surrogate really? I'm actually not even sure yeah they oh. like they're just totally living a private life and I find it like so fascinating and that's why that is the reality show that I'm interested in because you know those are characters and they've just navigated this with a savvy to maintain a real level of privacy. But it's like this amazing group of four people who were super famous in 2005. And I'm just yeah. like, what are you guys up to every day? <laughs> it is funny. Like the people who were, we're now most interested in the people who are least likely to like show us their real life. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because we there's now a playbook. And that's why when you go back and you watch the Osbournes and you watch Newlyweds, you are aware of just how basic and sort of like boring for lack of another word. It's, it's much more documentary than it is soap in this docu soap era. Totally. And it also makes you realize like, just to go back to the original thing of like Ozzy and Sharon moving into this house, it's just a like McMansion-y type house. Like it's, it's so every rich person kind of lives basically the same like uh, bubble life. And that's a lot of what these these like sh- these shows were. It was like these people are very rich, and they kind of like hang out in the same neighborhoods and do like it's not like Ozzy is like d- doing a lot of drugs on camera and like has like a weird I don't know social yeah. life. Like he goes out to like an Italian restaurant and like 
watches a lot of TV. He's not. Yeah. He's, I think that's an important note, though. It also is interesting about the show is Ozzy's sobriety was part of the show and sort of like the dynamics of having a rock star father. That was the most drama they really got. Like that was the show. Right. Yeah. And, and the family understood that no one else really did. But I also think that like in some ways, because they're so banal, some of the boring stuff that's the most real about for anyone's life. And I think, you know, rock stars have more of a predilection towards living hard as part of the whole gestalt, as we all know. Yeah. But that was part of it. And that's the kind of thing that now is both um, stigmatized and also hidden from these shows in a way. And it's just like, it was more boring and less dramatic, but it also was more real. Like when you compare the sort of like this, the dulcet tones of Osborne's with the just like constant yelling of the Real House of Salt Lake reunion. <laughs> it's like, wow, a lot has changed in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, very, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you want to watch more Osbournes, it's on FUBU TV and you can get a seven-day trial for free. So I was looking that up today. I should do that because when I, I was watching it on Daily Motion, which, which I remember extre- from, which like, had extremely bad uh, pixelation. So, well, I don't think this has been remastered. Maybe not yet. Perhaps it will on this 20th anniversary. It's hard to find it. Like, and I, I know. Mean, it's on yeah. Fubo. Yeah. Viacom has like, this is part of a different streaming conversation, but Viacom, which is now part of Paramount Plus, or they just read it. Now again. it's Paramount or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is. And Paramount Worldwide, something like that. Um, yeah. There are contents like all over the place. I'm, eventually, I'm sure it'll all come to Paramount Plus, but like, you can get some challenge seasons on Netflix. You can get the Osbournes on Fubo. Like it's just all over the place, but yeah. um, it's worth a watch. It's kind of fun to go back to. Also, it's just like you forget that these people have been around for so long. For so long. Yeah. But it's, I would be interested. Like I was, I was asking Kai if she had seen it. Uh, she has not. And like I was saying, I don't know if, I don't actually know how, if you'll like it. Yeah. I like, I don't know either. We're so like acculturated to a different type of reality show at this point. Yeah. So. Yeah, Exactly. Well, Claire, this was a delight. If you'd like more of this uh, reconsideration of the things we loved in the early part of the century, please check out Just Like Us. It's on Mondays. It has been on Mondays. We got a few more weeks. It's hosted by Claire Malone. Claire, it's been such a delight to chat with you. Thank you so much. Thank you to Kaya McMullen for producing this episode. And um, we will be back with more Ringer Dish on Friday. We got tea time coming your way. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.